0: This is a Relay Project. Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson.
1: We welcome you to this January 18th edition of Real Talk on this Wednesday. Jesperson and Hicks with you. Uh, in just a quick second, Dr. Christopher Wells will join us, then Dr. Sylvain Charlebois and the Honorable Randy Bosano rounding out today's roster. Hell of a show. Uh, looking forward to it. You know, we were planning on talking on leading this morning, so to speak, with inflation and food costs, grocery costs in Canada. We'll go to the food professor. One of the more prominent voices in Canada, Dr. Charlebois in about 10 minutes. But things change in the news cycle. Things change when you do a talk show. And of course, you've likely heard by now about what happened last night at a Philadelphia Flyers game. Before the Philadelphia Flyers game, it was Pride Night in the city of Philadelphia. And the Flyers took to warm-ups with Pride-themed hockey sweaters to be auctioned off after the game for charity. There was one notable omission during that pregame skate. Flyers all-star defenseman Ivan Provorov, who refused to don the sweater, citing his religious beliefs. He sat out the warm-up. He played in the game. That was the decision of Flyers coach John Tortorella. Here's what Ivan Provorov told reporters after he missed the skate.
0: Everybody, I respect everybody's choices. My choice is to stay true to myself and my religion. That's all I'm gonna say. How
2: do your religious?
0: Any, uh, like I said, that's all I'm gonna comment on. That. Um, if you have any hockey questions, I would let, I would answer those. Just. Uh, can you kind of clarify? Re- hmm. If I keep your you
2: religion. religion, Russian Orthodox. So with the game tonight, Ivan.
0: Um, obviously, Kevin he's... Got-
1: all right, so there he is, citing his religious beliefs. He went He went on to say that he respects everybody. He respects everybody's choices. Choice is always an interesting word in the context <laughs> of this conversation, isn't it? Now, there are different opinions on what should have been done here. I've seen people suggest that uh, Ivan Provorov should have been sat. As a matter of fact, I believe that the Philadelphia Flyers should have sat Ivan Provorov. His coach, John Tortorella, says, no fucking way. A lot of people believe that the NHLPA would probably take issue with, for example, Ivan Provorov getting suspended. I've seen suggestions this morning that the National Hockey League should fine the Philadelphia Flyers. But there was one opinion in particular brought to my attention by a real talker by the name of Michael, in fact, a great friend of this show who's got a lot of experience when it comes to equity uh you know he wants to talk about diversity wants to talk about inclusion in hockey of course you've heard of pride tape it was co-founded by our guest this morning Dr. Christopher Wells who's been kind enough to join us Uh, Dr. Wells welcome to the show I I gotta be honest uh when I I saw your message saying that you don't want to see anybody forced to participate in pride it 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 made me pause and think this isn't necessarily a black and white issue I guess
2: yeah you know absolutely and um um uh, what we're seeing is is really an evolution of years of work within society and the the nhl to the point that we have pride jerseys and and we're, we're talking about uh this issue when uh when we started pride tape and, and took it to the edmonton oilers the the team captain andrew Ference at the time he took the tape into the room and he uh, uh, told the guys what the tape meant, and um, he asked them to participate. It wasn't mandatory, and not all of the players used that. And And he gave us a good piece of advice and said, you know, the locker room is like a workplace. You're going to have many different people with many different backgrounds and many different ideas. And, and the strength of, of Pride Tape has always been that, you know, it's allies stepping forward and signaling their support
1: did what did it feel like it got punched nonetheless last night was your what was your reaction when you first heard the story
2: yeah you know absolutely it's it's always uh you know i'd say it's disappointing but but not surprising you know right from the get-go uh you know we've experienced players who didn't want to uh participate didn't support sort of uh the message but Um, now that went from only a few people using pride tape, for example, on a team to now pride team is used by every team in the NHL and across the world as that badge of inclusivity. And, and I, I take it back to my, my experience as a classroom teacher, you know, and, and when we put up a safe space sticker in our classroom, we need to stand behind it because we don't want that young person walking into that room and questioning if this, if, if if it's really going to be a safe space. So what do you think would
1: be an appropriate response, in your opinion, uh, from the Philadelphia Flyers, who were quick to issue a statement? uh, Let me point out that a couple of uh, Ivan Provorov's teammates uh, established a wonderful charity last night uh, that's going to welcome LGBTQ2S plus uh, hockey fans Uh, to games, for 20 home games to come. The players are paying for those tickets. There were good news things that were happening that were all overshadowed by this. Uh, Obviously a disaster for the Flyers uh, from a public relations standpoint. Uh, What would you expect or like to see from the Flyers? What would you expect or like to see from the National Hockey League this morning?
2: Yeah, you know, uh, I, I think it, it could have been handled uh, differently. Uh, I, I didn't necessarily agree with the coach's comments about, you know, that, well, we have to, you know, uh, res- respect the player and and their decision. I think, you know, you can make a decision, but uh, sometimes, you know, there are consequences for that decision. I think what probably should have happened is they they should have sat, sat him out and not played the game at all, right? Um, not be able to just skip the warmups and then then play the game. Um, uh, again, I would have had a, a much um, a different response if it was the team that elected uh, not to hold a Pride Night, as we've seen in the past, or not to wear the jerseys. Um, I think inevitably what we're going to see is uh, right now these the Pride uh, jerseys are pregame. Is uh, that they'll be used in a game? Um, we're starting to see teams use all kinds of different jerseys now. So even, uh, you know, the NHL has uh, evolved over the years
1: yeah you know I uh, you know and, and it's kind of interesting are you familiar with John Tortorella's background w- w- with regards yeah. to social issues and, and players and you know his son is an army ranger right and and John Tortorella a, a short time ago relatively speaking uh, told reporters that if any of his players were to kneel during a national anthem he'd sit him for the game he'd have no problem with it uh, so I guess if it's Black Lives Matter it's something that he's willing uh, to risk the Flyers chances of winning on but, but maybe not pride I, I see some inconsistency there I can't be the only one?
2: Yeah, I think if, uh, you know, if Proporov, uh came out with uh, homophobic or transphobic, you know, comments or statements, we'd be dealing with a different issue or said something on the ice, um, you know, that was uh, inappropriate. Uh, but he just chose not to uh, participate in, in wearing the jersey. I think, you know, I think we have to be careful that, you know, we can't force people to be inclusive. In fact, I go back to that old quote from uh, Maya Angelou, who says, you know, when people show you who they are, believe them the first time. I'd much rather know that uh, somebody didn't support me, didn't support my community um, right to my face rather than wonder whether they were an ally or not.
1: Yeah. So, you know, if if this is all, you know, if sport is going to be all about winning, Uh, you know, I I guess I should have expected this, but when I posted last night that I I, I said, shame on the Flyers for playing him. I said he he can have all the opinions he wants and he can have them from the press box. Uh, My mentions are a are a trash fire, um, and I know that you're not going to be surprised by that. And a lot of people are asserting that you know it's it's the coach's job, it's the player's job to win hockey games. The Philadelphia Flyers' job is to go out there and try to win the Stanley Cup. And a lot of people are talking about these the you know forced speech, and they're talking about social issues and activism and and marginalized groups. You know, and one person in particular asked me, "Why is it always this group? Why is it always these people?" That are fighting for diversity and inclusion. I'm not sure the person asking the question understands the irony of their statement. But let me ask you this if we are going to start making exceptions like this, if we're going to allow athletes, team players, to opt out of uh, diversity and inclusion initiatives based on, for example, religious beliefs or other personal convictions, maybe sports teams, maybe organizations, maybe corporations should stay far away from all of this. Maybe we shouldn't have banks supporting pride. Maybe we shouldn't have hockey teams supporting Black Lives Matter. Maybe we shouldn't have any organizations publicly and outwardly supporting the military when not everybody's thrilled about the idea of war. I mean, what do you think?
2: Yeah, you know, and, and from our community, part of it is this notion of rainbow washing that happens where, you know, a corporation will will put up a rainbow during Pride Week, but um, what are they actually doing the rest of the year you know how are they actually supporting the community are they contributing to the community are they inviting the community in are they changing their policies and their their processes that's really that that false uh, uh allyship or you know where you're just uh you know putting on appearances to be uh polite you know um it, it reminds me of people who talk a lot about you know the goal being tolerance. You know, I don't want to be tolerated. I don't want to be put up with. Tolerance is a power laden concept. It means, you know, this table is mine and I get to decide whether you have the right to have a, a seat at it. You know, I'm, I'm much rather want to move towards celebrating diversity and inclusion and recognizing that everyone has an inalienable right to be at that table, right? You don't get to decide who's worthy of rights and who's who's not so it's a you know it's a complex issue and this has become a a a flashpoint but i think ultimately you know this player has shown their values and their beliefs and now i think the team has to decide does that align with our organization do we want to keep this player i think it's no really different than we've seen on a bunch of other issues around sexualized violence or inappropriate you know comments we've seen and behaviors from other hockey players that come to light and Teams are cutting them loose and just saying, you know what, you can have those beliefs. And even if you weren't found criminally responsible, we find that um, you know it, it doesn't align with our values. Yeah, and I they, go find I, another team.
1: I, I'm gonna, uh, I, and no, no pun intended. I'm gonna take a flyer here and, and suggest that Ivan Provorov's not going anywhere. He's a hugely valuable piece of that hockey team, and and they pay him a lot of money, close to ten million dollars a year, to do what he does uh but but it's it sure was a disappointing development L- last night some, another person made a point to me which i agree with they said that this is just one example they said we'd probably be shocked if we realized some of the opinions and convictions of a lot of people that we put up on pedestals
2: yeah well b- believe it we've we've worked closely with the nhl and, and teams over the years and and uh all kinds of players and we've chosen to celebrate and lift up the allies and those strong voices of inclusion and give them the platform And we know that, um, you know, that grows the chorus and the choir starts to sing louder and more people start joining in. You know, when people like Andrew Ference became the first team captain of any sport in North America to march in a pride parade, he did it here in Edmonton. And he did it because he didn't want it to be about him, Mm. but he wanted it to be about showing support for the community. He knew his privilege. He knew the platform that he had. Right. And we, we hope that, you know, other hockey players will see that.
1: Yeah, he also did it in part because there are people like you working tirelessly behind the scenes to advocate, to develop programs, to bring awareness. Uh, We've got a world of respect for you, Dr. Wells, and I'm grateful that you were able to make yourself available on short notice to do the show this morning. Thanks very much. We'll talk to you soon. My pleasure. Yeah, you got it. That's Dr. Christopher Wells, the co-founder of Pride Tape. This feels like a good time to remind you that the Real Talk Pond Hockey Classic is coming up on Saturday, February 4th, and we will have rolls and rolls and rolls of pride tape there just like we did last year john just like we did last year we're we'll double the order. proud now. yeah i think we might double the order now everybody's gonna get two rolls of pride tape in their welcome bag when you show up on saturday february 4th in support of big brother's Big sisters, brother, uh, uncles, and aunts at large, and of course, Kids Sport St. Albert. Uh, this through the Canadian Progress Club St. Albert chapter. It's going to be a wonderful day celebrating Canadiana and hockey outside. You can register today, your team of four or five skaters. You can register to volunteer or even sponsor the tournament. You can find all the details on our website, ryanjesperson.com. Just click on the events link and then click pond hockey. It's nice and easy to find that Saturday, February 4th, the second annual Real Talk Pond Hockey Classic. Last year, $50,000 raised for charity. Fantastic stuff. You know, we'll pick up this story on Ivan Provorov and the Philadelphia Flyers. We'll talk about pride and hockey, forced speech. Coming up again in about 15 minutes when the Federal Tourism Minister, Associate Finance Minister, the Honorable Randy Boissoneau joins us. Right now, though, uh, we want to move on to the story that was to be our lead. And I'm I'm grateful that uh, Dr. Sylvain Charlebois has hung tight for us. Uh, This was obviously an important conversation to have out of the gates. And so, of course, we wanted to check in with Dr. Wells. We've been waiting to talk to Dr. Charlebois uh, for a few days now. I mean, the, the story across the country is that inflation is impacting people yeah sure at at the gas pumps and for sure uh when you know big ticket items come up maybe your family's looking at uh, hoping to take a, a trip a vacation that's doubled in price or or maybe you're looking at some of the services that folks provide and and if there's driving or transport involved then their prices are going up it seems like everything's more expensive well, the doors were blown off a story a short time ago when a journalist uh, tweeted an image of $37 chicken breasts at a Loblaws location. It was, it was Shaban Morris who said, I beg your pardon. It was a chicken at, at about 27 bucks a kilo. And of course, it had everybody, it seemed, outraged at Loblaw and its chairman, Galen Weston. Uh, writing about this in the Globe and Mail is Dr. Sylvain Charlebois. You've heard him on the show before from the Agri-Food Analytics Lab at Dalhousie University, a renowned expert in food trends across the country. It's nice to have you back on the show. It's been a little while.
0: Yeah, it's been a while. Nice to uh, nice to be with you, Ryan, this morning. Yeah, th- those
1: are new frames, new glasses, tortoise shell, nice round shape. I, like I guess them. so.
0: But I see you have a nice setup there now. Uh, I think the first time we spoke was three, four years ago. Yeah, uh, something like that. Yeah, yeah. I, and I've been following your show ever since. It's great. You're doing gr- a great job right now.
1: Hey, thanks. We really appreciate it. And and uh, you know, this is an audience that shows up every day looking for for meaningful conversations on issues that matter to them. And so and so that's what we're doing. And and hey, you know. the People, you know, can talk about gas prices, and then some will say, "Well, I don't drive; I I ride my bike." Or you can talk about the the price of inflation in other areas, and people will say, "I feel somewhat insulated from that." But everybody's got to eat. Uh, take us into the story right. and and what you're noticing, and then we'll get to some of the nuance.
0: Well, I mean, yesterday was the it was Statscan CPI for December, and uh, we saw. Again, uh, the gap between uh, the general inflation rate and the food inflation rate has uh, has widened. Fortunately, it's actually at three point eight percent. So we we haven't seen a three point eight percent since March two thousand and nine, and so that's why. So life is becoming more is more expensive, uh, but it's worse at the grocery store uh, at ten point one percent. So that's why people are still spooked at the grocery store. Uh, We spend the entire year, 2022, seeing that rate exceeding the the inflation rate uh, in Canada. We're probably going to be in that position for a while until probably the spring, uh, early summer, unfortunately.
1: Now we'll we'll obviously get a, a different answer when we talk to people in different areas of expertise as to what's driving this inflation or or why yep. chicken breast is is all of a sudden thirty seven dollars for two and and all acknowledged in your Globe and Mail column you d- you did say well okay this is you know you kind of pointed out you said this is like the boneless skinless grain fed or whatever it was it was like a special chicken breast it was a premium item you know you say Loblaws not the only grocer that has its prices inflated here but but for the average person to understand this story when they're at the hockey rink talking to their friends or when they're sipping coffee at the coffee shop you know how do we understand the cause of this and what might be factors that might bring grocery prices back down to earth what should we be looking for
0: well, so about the about the chicken gate, I actually had an opportunity to uh, to talk to Siobhan uh, Siobhan Morris, the person uh, from CTV who took the picture in uh, in uh, in Toronto. I told her, listen, when you look at the label very closely, you can see the FFs uh, free from antibiotics, and uh, and you're looking at a premium product. And so Loblaw's right. That week, in fact, I actually looked around in Toronto, and uh, these weren't the the most expensive chicken breasts in the GTA. Actually, Sobe's, uh, their chicken breasts were more expensive. But for some reason, Ryan, you know, when, you, when you're when you the spokesperson of your own company, you're you're an easy target. So people hate Loblaws, people want to hate Loblaws, and people want to hate Galen Wesson because really, I mean, because of our misunderstood, collective misunderstanding of how food systems work and how prices are set, people will basically focus on the one thing they understand. And that's the grocery store. And right now, the persona we all know is Galen Weston. And that's why a lot of people just don't like him at all. Mm. Uh,
1: I, I want to ask you this and I told you I was going to bring this up. Uh, th- there's a bit of a hit piece actually targeting you right now uh, on a substack called The Orchard, uh, written by journalist based out of Alberta, uh, Jeremy Apple. Uh, and he asks, who the hell is the food professor uh, and and the premise of his piece
0: uh, I, actually I don't think that was the initial title by the way if you look up oh, I think did it change title yeah he did what, what did it say before I can't say it on air. <laughs> Oh really?
1: Well, you can say whatever
0: you want. Oh here, yeah, but I, but
1: I digress. Yeah. Okay. So okay. who the fuck is the food
0: professor? That's <laughs> that was, what he said. That was the original yeah.
1: headline. Okay. Well, maybe it's yeah. getting so much attention that he di- he dialed back the uh, the fire on or dialed <laughs> back the flamethrower. I don't know. Uh, but 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 you know he does. He makes a point here, and and you told me that you'd be happy to address it. But but he points out that you know you you have uh you've had a relationship in the past with the Weston Foundation. He points out that in, yep. in 2018 uh, that you received a six thousand dollar grant from the Weston Foundation the implication being of course is that that will influence your public facing commentary on Loblaw on Galen Weston on food prices in Canada can I ask you to respond to the piece
0: yeah absolutely so first of all I don't know who this guy is but when you read the piece uh, you clearly feel anger there's Some sort of anger there that I don't understand, but uh, he he firmly believes that I was in conflict, uh, or he implies it anyways, and that's a really serious accusation to make towards an academic. We have a conflict of interest policy at Dell, and I am in compliance with the policy for this simple reason. I do not have a relationship with the Western Foundation anymore. That ended more than five years ago. I was an adjudicator for one of their food innovation uh, granting programs. It's worth about $20 million. I was asked to evaluate uh, files for free. Uh, I, was, I was doing pro bono. Uh, as a gift, they gave me $60,000 so I can hire a postdoc. But the one thing that uh, this author should know is that my relationship with Western Foundation is not very good right now. Mm. In fact, it ended when I went public criticizing Loblaw for leading a bread cartel for 14 years. That was in 2017, December 20th. And so the program by postdoc ended at the time. They weren't pleased and I was never invited again. So if he would have bothered to call either Dalhousie University, the Western Foundation, or me, he would have known that I'm not in conflict at all. In fact, I have a conflict with the Weston Foundation right now, not because of my relationship with the Western Foundation.
1: Let me ask you: you you touch on or you reference that bread fixing scandal, uh, and and uh, I, I still feel like uh, Sylvan that that's a story that really, in a sense, oh my god, it flew under the radar. Really, like with because people think ah, it's a loaf of bread kind of deal. But how big of a deal was that? And, and in the context of trust toward grocers, you know, how, do you think that that impact people have short? But does that continue yeah. to impact how people feel?
0: This is the other thing about this uh, piece uh, from this author out of Alberta. I mean, I've been doing this for 25 years. People were, have been calling me since Monday saying, what's going on here? People don't know who you are. I've written and criticized grocery stores forever. Hmm. And the biggest piece, of course, was in the Globe against the bread cartel, against Loblaws, against the industry. I actually think that uh, really... Uh, Canadians were shortchanged, even though Loblaw became Santa Claus and gave 25 bucks to everyone. We were shortchanged for a couple of reasons. One, the competition bureau is not doing its job. Consumers are absolutely unprotected right now from this oligopoly that we have. And secondly, secondly, really, Loblaws should have gone to jail. I mean, they broke the law for 14 years. Why did we provide immunity to executives at Loblaws? Many people were involved. And the investigation, Ryan, is still ongoing after eight years. Eight years, we still don't know what is going on. As a lab, we actually submitted a report to the competition because they requested one. They wanted to know whether or not a cartel was possible in Canada. And we basically provided them with a report. Still nothing after eight years. It's unbelievable.
1: Can you, in layperson's terms, like, can you really dumb it down for people like me that wouldn't be able to explain that story in one sentence? Is it basically just that, is it what everyone accuses gas stations of doing on the Friday of a, of a long weekend? Collusion. collusion. Cranking up prices. Yeah. Everybody cranks them up at the same time. Everybody makes more money.
0: If you look at bread prices in Canada from 2001 to 2015, you you, you saw, I mean, bread prices skyrocketed, especially in to, between 2007, 2009. As a, as an academic, I couldn't explain it. I didn't know what was going on, and who would have thought that companies were breaking the law? I certainly didn't. I didn't think of that, but it did happen. And in 2015, when Labla disclosed to the Bureau without others knowing about it, you saw bread prices drop slightly, slightly for two years. And in 2017, that's when Labla told the entire world that they were guilty. Along with Western Bakeries. There are five, other, allegedly, there are five other companies involved. And still, we don't know whether or not uh, the Bureau is willing to say that these companies are guilty as well.
1: So you've just published a piece like hours before you're talking to us here. People can read it at saltwire.com. And and, and I'm sure that it's published on other platforms as well. You you call for Toronto
0: Sun and uh, I think the Edmonton Sun is, uh, is covering it as well. Okay, so I'm not surprised.
1: It's all over the place. People are picking it up. You say it's time for a face saving code. Uh, For the food industry, you want to you want to see grocers essentially uh, held accountable by code. What would this look like?
0: You know, again, a lot of people are upset with food prices, but I actually I do think that a lot of people just don't understand how things work in the food industry. Look at the dairy section right now. How much are you paying for butter?
1: Yeah, to be expensive. honest with you I haven't shopped for butter in a while so bring me up to speed.
0: It's it's freaking expensive. It's more than usual. <laughs> it's it's 8 bucks a pop in Alberta right now. It's it's pretty expensive and it's not because of grocers it's because of supply management and the prices that we give to dairy farmers. Now you're probably going to get some dairy farmers upset and calling you but that's the reality. They're making more money which is great for them. But at the end of the day, it's not because of grocers. So this code essentially will make things more transparent. But furthermore, we only have a handful of grocers with a lot of power. One of the things that most Canadians don't know is that to do business with Loblaws, you have to pay them first. Listing fees, marketing fees, administrative fees, PepsiCo to list, say, a bag of chips, Frito-Lay or whatever. They have to pay anywhere between 500 to a million bucks without selling one bag to you and I. That's a lot of money. So that pressure has mounted over the years. So you got Sobeys, Loblaws, Walmart, all doing the same thing, putting pressure on processing, eliminating choices, eliminating variety for consumers because you just don't want to invest in Canada with that kind of power. On the other hand, Especially in Alberta, I know some really great independent grocers in Alberta. Co-op is one of them. Friesen Brothers,
1: my friend, is even better.
0: Yeah. I mean, those people are suffering because Loblaws and Walmart are getting better deals and independent grocers are having our time competing. This code will create a level playing field, more competition, and that will help consumers in the end.
1: Okay, so this is this grocer code of conduct uh, that yeah. you say is quote great news for consumers. In fact, you argue it should be considered a minor miracle. Uh, let me let me give you some background, Sylvia. I don't know if I've if I've disclosed this to you before. If it's come up, my grandpa was born and raised on a dairy farm. My some of my oh, closest some of my closest cousins are probably in the barns right now. And every time that supply management comes up, I know that they're going <laughs> to blow up my phone and blow up my text messages. Oh yeah, we, I've argued with them oftentimes, always with a smile on our face. That a talk show host cannot leave supply management alone in Canada. <laughs> the politician that probably most prominently spoke about it a few years ago, hoping to make waves, of course, was Maxime Bernier, trying to g- glean attention for his for his PPC, the fledgling I sp- party.
0: I, sp- I spoke to Maxime Bernier a couple of times about supply. I disagree with him completely. I well, don't take think us into
1: take us into what you think should happen with supply management, and and, and maybe a sentence or two for people that don't totally understand yeah. what it is. Farmers pay for quote. Which allows them to to produce a certain amount of product.
0: You can't produce yeah. more product than the quota that you own, right? Yeah, that's right. So the quota system allows us to produce what we need, basically. So we give quotas, not we give quotas to people, so they can produce the milk and the butterfat we need every year. I would keep the quota system. Okay, I would keep the quota system because if you eliminate the quota system tomorrow morning, Ryan, we're drinking American milk. Mm. That's it. We're going to see a complete collapse of the dairy, which is why I disagree with Maxime Bernier. We need dairy farms and strong dairy farms in Canada and Alberta and everywhere. That's, that's, that's a must. The, the, the things I would do, I would reform the Canadian Dairy Commission. That, that commission is not at the service of Canadian taxpayers. It services industry. Every time they set prices for farmers, we have no idea where these numbers are coming from. Going back to inflation last year, Uh, dairy uh, milk prices at FarmGate increased by almost 11%. We don't know where these numbers came from. Uh, The process is not transparent. We need to change that. And it needs needs to be controlled by people uh, not elected, but appointed by the government, but at least have some variety beyond just dairy farmers running a crown corporation. The Dairy Commission is a crown corporation. Two- I would set a new class of milk and part of fat to export because the, the products that we make in Canada are fabulous. And why not export to China? Why not export to different markets to grow our, our dairy sector? And three, instead of giving billions of dollars to, uh, to dairy farmers, uh, just because we want to compensate them for, for treaties and trade deals we make with other countries, basically create a, a fund. To encourage farmers to exit the industry, the farmers who don't want to compete necessarily. And that's how you're going to build a stronger, better dairy sector. And you're going to support processing and provide consumers with good prices.
1: You know who I hear from most frequently when we talk about supply management in dairy? Beef farmers, ranchers, cow-calf
0: operators. They love supply management.
1: Oh no. Like it's amazing, right? They raise the same oh, no, livestock no. and
0: But that's the that's the problem, Ryan. I mean, right now Ottawa's giving billions of dollars in compensation to dairy farmers. Guess what's going to they're going to they buy land. They inflate the value of land. Cattle producers, grain producers are stuck with a, an overcapitalized industry and they're not part of. That's the problem that we have. We need to Get the word out. Talk about the big elephant in the room because farmers are good people. They don't want to bash other farmers. They don't. They don't. I do because – well, I do. I focus on the system, not farmers. I don't want to criticize farmers, but I criticize the system, and the system is actually making Canadian agriculture cheaper uh, and cheaper and and weaker, not better.
1: Mm, Okay. Uh, In closing – Uh, You know, you point out in your piece in the Globe and Mail, uh, people should read it. Uh, Canada has one of the lowest food inflation rates in the Western world. You say among the G7 nations, only Japan has a lower food inflation rate right now. But for somebody who wants to make grandma's fried cauliflower recipe and they see that heads of cauliflower are going to be 14 bucks, that is of little consolation. What's one storyline that the average Canadian should keep an eye on in this context this year,
0: well, Galen Weston is not responsible for Germany's twenty uh, percent food inflation rate. Okay, this is a global phenomena. Okay, blaming one company or one person is is just pointless. You have to understand what's happening right now. Is there greed in the system? Probably, probably. And one piece I would look into is right in your backyard: meatpacking. There's something going on there. Beef prices are way too high. And and so we need to investigate. We need a stronger competition bureau to protect Canadians and look after, look at real problems, not fake – politicized problems that okay we're but doing so, right is, now.
1: something tells me if you're going look at look at meat packing right now there's something going on something tells me that your your spidey senses how are, are telling you maybe pointing you in the right direction what is it that retail you think prices don't on? make sense well so what they do you think don't. what's prompting it is it is it supply and demand
0: look at farm gate prices and look at retail prices now now you're not expecting a strong correlation there but the correlation is so weak You got to wonder what's going on in the U.S. within months, Biden got a report uh, suggesting that there was collusion in the United States. Within weeks, GBS wrote a fifty seven million dollar check in compensation to consumers to avoid a lawsuit. Mm -hmm. That's how quick they deal with problems in the U.S. Why can't we do the same?
1: Dr. Sylvain Charlebois of the Agri-Food Analytics Lab at Dalhousie University, one of Canada's foremost experts in food, food policy, and food trends. I implore you to follow him on Twitter at Food Professor. Thanks for doing this. It's nice to see your face. Take care, Ryan. Yeah, you Bye-bye. bet. Uh, Minister Randy Boisno, coming up in just a second. These conversations are powered by sponsors like... The friendly local utilities provider that is park power and we told you how excited we are to extend our partnership with them into 2023 because that means A fresh promo code for you, Real Talkers. That's right. When you bring your business to Park Power right now, even better when you bundle your services, electricity, natural gas, and internet, you're going to save more than ever before. The promo code REALTALK23 saves you $50 off the first bill of each service you choose. So you compare rates at parkpower.ca. You realize you're going to pay less by bringing your business to them. You use the promo code REALTALK23 to sign up for electricity, natural gas, and internet. Your first bill has $150 knocked off it. No strings attached. You can sign up today. It takes less than five minutes at parkpower.ca. Ca. Now, once you're doing business with Park Power, then it's time to get serious about your solar goals. That's right. More Canadians will look to sustainable energy development this year than ever before. More people are putting up solar panels because it's more affordable than ever before, more reliable than ever before, and easier. Because teams like Kubi Renewable Energy do all the paperwork for you. You go to kubienergy.ca, you get your free quote, they can tell you about that forty thousand dollar interest free loan from the feds. And by the way, a- unless you live uh, the Taj Mahal, your solar power system's probably not going to be forty grand. The average system comes in under twenty grand these days. Kubi Renewable Energy has a great partnership with Park Power too. So in the summer months, when your system's providing more juice than you need, they pump it back to the grid and park power gives you more dough than the big guys would it's a wonderful partnership thanks to our friends at kubi renewable energy and while we're talking about going green while we're talking about sustainability it's a perfect time to remind you about eden landscaping they launched that urban butterfly front yard approach this year to rave reviews more people are looking at Things like native grasses in their front yards. They want to bring the plant life back that's been here for millennia. They want to attract more pollinators. It's better for the environment. And of course, it pays off in the aesthetic of your yard design as well. Why not bring your outdoor space to life? Do it with the team that's been trusted in Edmonton and area for more than 20 years. That's Eden Landscaping at landscapeedmonton.ca. It's always a pleasure to be able to check in with our next guest. He's the MP for Edmonton Center. He's the Federal Minister of Tourism, the Associate Minister of Finance as well. The Honorable Randy Boissano, our guest on this Wednesday morning. It's nice to see your face, and thanks for making time for us. It sounds like, Johnny, why don't we why don't we get it figured out behind the scenes and, no, there's there's nothing we can do about it? Randy, it, it sounds like uh, there's something going on with the mic, and uh, I wonder if we can troubleshoot it. Why don't we pull him off screen for a second, and I'll get around to some other stuff, and we'll bring back Randy Boissoneau in just a second, federal minister. Obviously, there's a lot to talk about with Randy, uh, an openly gay federal politician, by the way, so I'm curious to pick his brain on what happened last night at the Philadelphia Flyers game as well. Ivan Provorov, you've heard. The Flyers' uh, star defenseman refused. Using to take to the team's warm-up skate wearing a, a, a pride-themed sweater the numbers and the name bars on the back of the jersey with the rainbow color scheme representative of pride representative of of diversity and inclusion initiatives provrov says that his religious beliefs as a russian orthodox uh believer an orthodox christian uh preclude him from participating in or supporting such an initiative so I put it out on my Twitter. You know, I said, shame on the Flyers for, for playing Provorov after this debacle. If he's going to opt out of supporting diversity and inclusion, he can do it from the press box. And that was my initial take. That was my gut reaction. That was the first thing that came to mind, was that it didn't make sense that Ivan Provorov was going to play in the game. And so I figured he should sit out. Well, not everybody agrees, right? Not everybody agrees, to say the least, in my Twitter mentions, Tally says, Provorov's free to do what he wants, and the Flyers are free to play who they want. Leave it alone. Uh, Tyler, meantime, says, so you're saying he shouldn't play because he thinks differently? Hockey isn't for everyone, I guess. Uh, that's called a red herring. Uh, that's, that's a bad faith argument. Uh, Conrad wonders, why is diversity always tied to this group? I don't think he means the Philadelphia Flyers. I, I I think he means the gay and lesbian community. I think that's what he means. He says, should other groups' beliefs be brought into the pregame warm-up? Nah, I don't know, Conrad. I, I respond to him. I said, you mean like the military?
3: Well, they're not beliefs. Can you imagine if he had done this on a night honoring uh, indigenous culture Black or, lives
1: matter. The military. Yeah, anything this is, else? This cancer is, survivors. This
3: isn't opinions or beliefs. This is basic human rights, and I, I think everyone knows that. You said this this morning when we were going to talk about this. Like it's so black and white here. We don't need to debate this. Yeah. It's
1: although I don't think. Like I do think there's room for nuance in the debate. Of course. I, I do think that there's room. A lot of people are talking about forced speech. A lot of people are talking about imposing beliefs on people. A lot of people are talking about religious freedoms. Mm -hmm. I do think these are points that need to be considered here. But at the end of the day, when it all comes down to it, this is an NHL initiative. This is a league-wide initiative to send a clear message to gay, lesbian, queer, bi, trans hockey fans and potential hockey fans that you have a place 100%. in this community.
3: And it's the bare minimum, dude. Ivan, it's the bare minimum. And if you don't want to involve yourself, then you're definitely right, Ryan. He just shouldn't have played Sit the game. Sit out the game. Take this one off. But you can't exclude yourself from the night and then play the game. It's ridiculous.
1: How are we doing with Minister Boasino? Any Let's luck go. on this one? He's good. All He's right. got good this headset. Stuff. Minister, I would have been... Devastated if this conversation wasn't going to work out. Thanks for donning you. you. You look like an air traffic controller right now, but I think. As you're gonna do be, you? Oh, but you are loud <laughs> and clear, my man. Hey, it's nice to see your face. Uh, you, you, you wanted nice to? to s- I, I could hear you saying something about Friesen Brothers.
4: I look, Friesen Brothers, or Park Power. TV, it was Park, Park Power. Power you were they're all about. My, my my favorite companies, and I got to say, I'm going to make a plug for the Feds. If you get an audit done in your house, you get like a five thousand dollar grant. Yes, but there's forty thousand dollars in loans. So look, what you talked about with the solar panel. You could get like double that in a loan from us, the federal government. To put those awesome solar panels on your house—that's all they
1: wanted to say tell you house. that uh, we were uh, <laughs> uh, hanging out with the Kubi Renewable Energy team a while ago, and mm-hmm. of course, we always like to check in with our sponsors, and I, I say, "How are things going with the Canada? We, you know, we've been mentioning this Canada Greener Homes sure. Grant—it's the ten-year, forty-thousand-dollar interest-free loan <laughs> from the feds—and they said, "Yeah, we." They said we actually thought about reaching out to you and asking you to to lay off the mentions. Uh, <laughs> they said they said their phone lines <laughs> have been slammed. They said they're they're, they're hiring like, like they're always hiring, but they're hiring <laughs> they're so more, great. more installers great than job. ever before. That's got to be music to your ears.
4: <laughs> it is. It's what we want to see. And look, on the Ivan thing and uh, LGBT rights, look, I, I love what you guys said, Johnny and, and Ryan. It's the bare minimum. And look, if you don't support basic human rights for women, for indigenous people, for uh, people of color, for people who live with disabilities, then it's on you to explain why. And uh, religious beliefs don't uh, trump human rights. So I love what the league is doing. I was at the game last night uh, with uh, when we thumped the Kraken. And uh, <laughs> I remember when uh, I was special advisor and we worked with the league on this idea of hockey is for everyone. And so uh, my hat's off to the Edmonton Oilers, to the leadership that uh, the league has shown. and. Uh, look, there is something I, I you might have seen before uh Christmas uh we got we had the Russian ambassador coming out and saying that uh, LGBT rights don't apply in his country and we should stop talking about them here in Canada and there was a bit of a foo on Twitter with the uh, the Russian embassy here in mm-hmm. our here in Canada and so uh Minister Jolie summoned that ambassador to uh, get an explanation and so, I think that uh, the Russian Federation and some of its diaspora members are trying to take attention away from the illegal war in Ukraine and uh, going after LGBT rights is one of the ways to do that.
1: Yeah. Uh, Can I say, though, that, uh, you know, for for whatever his religious beliefs may be. And, yep. and and a lot of, of hate mongers and, and including homophobes will wrap themselves in jesus cloak and hide yeah, yeah. behind and hide behind religion to justify sure. personal beliefs they may have nobody is and and i don't i don't mean to be glib here uh sure. nobody is is demanding that ivan provrov hold hands with a fella and take him out for a walk around the park nobody's asking ivan provrov to participate in activities that would make him uncomfortable Mm-mm. people are asking him as a teammate and a team member to indicate support that's being demonstrated by the Philadelphia Flyers and the National Hockey League and the hockey community writ large. Now, let me ask you, in politics, everybody knows that votes are whipped and things like that. But if we compare a caucus like the Liberal Party of Canada, the elected MPs, the ministers, the cabinet, the (laughs) prime minister to a team, if you're a team and the prime minister says, hey, during Pride, the members of our team, our MPs are going to wear whatever it is, the liberal logo in, in in the Pride colors or whatever it is. And one of your team members, one of your MPs said, because of my religious beliefs, I'm not going to attend the press conference and I'm not going to wear the lapel pin. How would that resonate with the rest of the team? And, and what do you think the prime minister might do about it?
4: Well, they definitely have a chat with the prime minister. And uh, look, when you're a team, you show up and there are some things that might my- that my liberal team does that I don't agree with. I don't agree with every single policy that we have as a party. And um, that's, that's party politics. That's being a team. And I mean, being a team means you show up for people and you open your mind to understand difference and you open your mind to understand diversity. And the, the best teams, Ryan, as you know, cause you've done this with your own show are, uh, you know, it's when you collect people with different talents and different strength and you play to your strength and you have a team of really strong people that makes the whole team better than if you were just a bunch of individuals. And um, that's what it means. It means putting your own ego and your own idea of self advancement at the door and focusing on the goals and the mission and the objectives of the team. And uh, I think Ivan fell short of that when it came to the Flyers. I love what the Flyers have done. Philadelphia is a great center for LGBT rights. And actually, anecdotally, the first time that Canada led an LGBTQ two trade mission with fifteen of our uh, companies from LGBTQ owned companies from Canada to the United States, it was to Philadelphia hmm. with the National Gay and Lesbian Summit. There were seven hundred and fifty companies there uh, that were lgbt owned and another 750 companies that serve the lgbtq population 1500 companies for a week-long summit and canada showed up and we've been to that summit every year since so there's a lot that we're doing and uh, a lot of lessons that sports uh, people are going to learn and and ryan the sports community is stepping up and i can tell you when we host fifa in 26. With the United States and Mexico, it's going to be the safest, the most diverse, the most LGBTQ friendly uh, football game you're ever going to see. And guess what? You're going to be able to drink beer here, too.
1: Boy, is that ever going to be different than than what we saw in Qatar? Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. To, to, to state the obvious and to say the least, um, I, I will say on a lighter note of this, if, if we can find the lighter side of of sure. a, of, a, of a player not supporting pride initiatives, I've seen some pretty funny comments online. Some, you know, people are saying like this from the city of brotherly love. Somebody said, yep, a, some, exactly. some, Somebody said, a, "Somebody said a hockey player uh, concerned about gay rights, bro. You're worried about the wrong D." And 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 my my favorite comment probably was this guy calls his colleague out on the ice, his partner. How can this guy have a problem? So there are some people, n- notably gay commentators, having some fun with the story. I appreciate you taking the question. Um, Absolutely. I, I, I like to pull back the curtain. This show is a little sure. bit different. People know that. You know that. And mm-hmm. your your team is always very clear with me. They'll say, hey, you know, Mr. Boasino is available if you want to talk about Just Transition, for example. And I say, <laughs> yeah, but I'd also like to talk about the closure of Moline Lake Road. And obviously we'll talk about sure. Ivan Provov. Yep. And, and your team always says to me, the minister is good to talk about whatever. And so I know you won't mind this curveball question coming at you based on uh, the conversation we just had with Dr. Mm-hmm. Sylvain Charlebois about food inflation. Uh, yep. Associate Minister of Finance, that's you. Jason yep. in our live chat says, please ask the Associate Minister of Finance why government is so slow to act regarding food prices on behalf of all Canadians. How would you take the question?
4: Well, I thank Jason for the question, and I know that uh, you know the inflation that we're in is really affecting people at their homes and at the grocery stores. There is a little bit of a hope of good news. The CPI numbers came out this week, and we're now at six point three percent inflation. That's still three times higher than we want to see. But now, five months in a row, we've seen that inflation come down, and some of that's related to gas prices going down, Jason. But it's also we're seeing the in, the increase in food prices start to to slow down. So that's not where we want them, but we are going to get there. We have tasked and my friend and colleague Minister Champagne has tasked the competition bureau and all the owners of the grocery stores to meet with the competition bureau to make sure that there's no collusion going on. Wh- what we are in is in a global world with food prices. And we're going to make sure that if there's any egregious profit taking, we're going to address that. This really does stem from the illegal war in Ukraine, food prices rising there, the input costs of the fact that energy costs have gone up, that we've had the breadbasket of the world essentially not be able to ship its grain and, and other products. And that's put a a price spike on all the inputs into food prices. So, This is why, with with limited levers in terms of how we can stop food prices from increasing in the short term. This is why we've put things in the in the window, like doubling the GST tax credit, removing uh, interest loan. uh, What is it called? The federal interest, uh, the the um, interest on federal student loans and apprenticeship, and also making sure that people get a five hundred dollar top up if they're lower income Canadians. And so, the affordability supports that we are putting in the window are to help with the. The short term pinch. 23 is going to be a tough year, Ryan. I'm going to say that straight up. We're still not out of the war in Ukraine. China's just starting to open up after COVID. We're going to have some turbulence in the Canadian economy. We're now in pre budget consultations with people. And what I will say this is, Ryan, is if we take a look at Alberta leading the economy for the next two to three years, the national economy. And if we take a look at all the fundamentals that we have here in Alberta, there's no place in the world that I'd wa- rather weather the 23 economic storm than here in Canada and here in Alberta. Uh,
1: when, when you talk about uh, student loans in particular, I mean, obviously you just said a million things and, and people are going to pick out what's most relevant to them. Sure. Would, would you like to see, or is there conversation around the cabinet table uh, about making student loans interest-free in perpetuity? In Canada. I know it's an idea that pops up, obviously, of great interest to students.
4: So, look, I worked on this, I want to say 35 years ago when I had hair and I was in student government, income contingent student loans, and where we can, you know, what we did though, instead of going full. Uh, Income contingent student loan, where it's it's interest free, is we made sure that they were means tested. So, I think now it's if you're making fifty thousand or less, your loans don't uh, don't kick in, and the interest doesn't increase. And now what we've done is we've got rid of the of the uh, federal interest on student loans in permanent like in perpetuity, and that's for apprentices too. So now that the provinces want to match us, we'd invite them to do that. The provinces have healthier ballot sheets after COVID than uh, the federal government. And, and that, Ryan, is because we spent 20% of the national wealth to get us through COVID. So we've taken the leadership. We've removed those that interest from federal student loans. The other thing we did for people who are listening is we doubled the Canada worker benefit. So if you're a, a low-income family and you've got the Canada worker benefit before, it's now going to double. And more importantly, you're going to get half of your benefits up front. You don't have to wait for the end of the year. The other thing I think, I know you got seniors listening to your show and people who are on benefits like uh, who get the Canada Child Benefit, which I think is the best thing we've done since forming government. And now the, the childcare benefits, all of those benefits like CPP, Guaranteed Income Supplement, Old Age Security, Canada Child Benefit, those are all indexed to inflation. So what that means is whatever the inflation settles out to be in this year, you're going to get that increase in next year's payments and that's going to help. When it comes to the seniors payments, they get those increases every 3 months, Ryan. So we take the we take the basket of inflation in those 3 months and then we increase those payments for uh, seniors receiving them.
1: Uh I wanted to b- play a clip here, Alberta's premier, Danielle Smith,
0: uh, sure. talking
1: about this just transition and, then, and we'll get to your take on this. I, I know mm-hmm. that this is a, a top priority on the messaging side from the federal <laughs> government right now. They, they want the conversation sure. to be focused and we're hitting it from a number of different angles. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're just joining us on the Mixler live streaming audio app, you're hearing uh, the federal tourism minister, the associate finance minister, the honorable Randy Boisno. here's Alberta's premier, Danielle Smith, just a few hours ago.
3: This is why I'm also concerned about Justin Trudeau's, Just transition, as he calls it, because when I hear the words just transition, it signals eliminating jobs. And for Alberta, that is a non starter. I think we all share the same goals when it comes to reducing emissions, and that's across all industries, including oil and natural gas. We are working with the federal government closely on technologies like carbon capture utilization and storage, hydrogen, critical minerals, but the good work gets lost when they use this kind of divisive polarizing language because the world is looking for energy, for more energy, for more petrochemicals, for more LNG. This is not an industry in decline, but it is one of the uh, industries that is strategic to world energy security.
1: Okay, so that's Alberta's premier. How would you respond publicly?
4: Well, I like what the Premier said about uh, emissions reduction in uh, major industrial sectors. We're working really cl- cl- closely. She's right. We're working collaboratively collaboratively with the province on that. And uh, Ryan, we put uh, billions of dollars in the 22 budget on carbon capture use and storage. So, look, let's talk about the words that I don't even like to say, just transition, because it's a, a European term. And the late Honourable Jim Carr, my colleague who was Minister for the Prairies,
1: Our condolences. passed away.
4: Yeah, he is a, a great man and was a great man and a mentor and literally my parliamentary dad. Seamus O'Regan, when he was Minister of Natural Resources, spent two entire years listening to this entire region, to people in the sector, to workers. And we are not going to get to net zero as a country without the workers in the oil and gas sector, without the ingenuity of the oil and gas sector, and without high-paying, quality, sustainable jobs in the oil and gas sector. And the sustainable jobs program that we're talking about, and that's it's in the middle of us finishing it getting it through cabinet so i can't talk about exactly what it's going to be because it's not on the it's not on the uh, not table to the house yet but i can say that if you take a look at the fall economic statement and you see the sustainable jobs secretariat that we put in place the 250 million dollars that we've earmarked to make sure that people have high quality sustainable long-term jobs that are greener jobs in the oil and gas sector in hydrogen, Ryan. I think you and I talked about the Air Products announcement mm-hmm. that Francois Philippe and Champagne and I made in the in the fall. One point six billion dollar investment from a U.S. company here into Northeast Edmonton to build the world's largest net zero hydrogen plant, and we put three hundred million into that. The province put one hundred sixty one million into it. Why? Because it's going to be thousands and thousands of jobs. Just yesterday, Dan Vandal and I made a ten million dollar announcement. 4 million almost to Edmonton Global, 3 million to U of A and Seaford Technologies, 3 million to Alberta Motor Transport Association. Why? To create that whole hydrogen ecosystem that we need here. And I met Cole, who was driving, Ryan, he was driving the world's first dual fuel armored vehicle semi. And it takes 31 kilograms of hydrogen. It displaces 40% of the diesel and the range is 1,600 kilometers and what are they transporting? Precious minerals, stones, bonds, bullion, and all kinds of precious cargo. And it's a dual fuel on the way to net zero vehicle. Mm. And he's excited because he's like the test company for this stuff. And he wants this to, he wants these kind of vehicles to be across the province. And so do we. And so look, I think there's a bit of a tempest in the teapot here going on with the terminology. Um, And I can say, Ryan, It's all about jobs. It's about more jobs. It's about adding jobs, not subtracting jobs. And even the International Energy Agency and Jonathan Wilkinson, my colleague, has said very clearly, there's going to be high paying quality jobs in the oil and gas sector well past our net zero targets of 2050.
1: Have you seen this Malcolm Mays cartoon? Uh, this is we'll, we'll, we'll describe it for most people will hear this on the podcast so it's it's a couple of oil workers on a conveyor belt and and they're heading through some some you know like a, this uh, machine it looks like the flux capacitor is what it looks like a big version Victorian. of it, it yeah, it's, yeah it's the just transition and it's got all the gears churning and and as they go through the machine and emerge out of it they're dressed as as fast food workers and they're dressed as walmart greeters uh you know asking would you like fries with that and and this has been really i think some of the messaging from the provincial government from some people in the traditional energy industries oil and gas and the like in particular the oil sands about the so-called just transition a loaded phrase which by the way, on the surface, it's like social justice warrior. The words aren't inherently bad, but they're they're used uh, in a in a way that that make them uh, that way. The the word the phrase, of course, becomes loaded. It's people with their jobs in the crosshairs. That's the understanding of it. So so, how does the federal government at a ground level? I mean, you do interviews like these. Obviously, yep. you make announcements, you invest in new technology, you you you, you know, present opportunities for people um, to transition into new and promising careers, but How do you reach the average person with with like dirt on their boots and and grime under their fingernails that all they're hearing on the job site is they're turning wrenches? And, of course, I'm oversimplifying what people do. I'm with you. But as they hear it on the shop floor, uh, they're hearing about fucking Trudeau and they're hearing about all, you know what I'm saying, Randy? You know what I'm saying, minister, I should say. And, 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 And how do you reach those folks?
4: You got to look we got to reach people one on one through shows like this like you said but look I was meeting with a bunch of labor leaders yesterday with Minister Vandal who's responsible for Prairies can and for the North and uh, I said to the guys I said look get me in front of the members get me in front of the rank and file I'm I'm pretty sure they're not voting for me but they might they might after we chat and it's reaching out to people in our in our networks and our relationships look I'll tell you a story it comes from the 21 campaign and you know I lost in 19 and then decided to get back on the horse and 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 ride again and I was outside of the city market, uh, Loblaws, the uh, right in brewery district. And this big guy, like 6'2, six 6'3, six walked by with his girlfriend and he looked at me and he was going to stop and chat. And then he, he walked by. And 20 minutes later, he came back out and he said, uh, he said, Would I'm an oil and gas worker? Would you talk to me, Mr. Liberal? I said, Of course, I'll talk to you. What's your name? He said, My name's John King. And he said, "I made a mistake." He said, "I didn't even give you a chance." He said, "But I assumed you wouldn't talk to me because I'm a I'm an oil and gas worker." I'm like, "John, where do you live?" He said, "I live three blocks over there, right in Oliver." And I said, "Well, look, my whole family works in the oil and gas sector, and my dad and brother pulled rocks out of Albion Sands to do the road so that the oil sands could thrive." And what's on your mind? And he said, "Look, I've got a good job. I know it's gonna it's gonna keep my family, you know, safe and healthy, and I'm gonna pay my mortgage. But I'm already studying for the next thing." Because I know that if I take my skills right now and do a little bit of changing or upgrading, I'm either gonna be able to go into more green technology or I might even pivot and do something in pharmacy. I just don't know yet, but I'm studying so that I can make the next move. What I wanna know from you, Randy, since you've introduced yourself, is that it's not gonna be a switch. Just don't shut off the switch on me. Just let me know what the pathway is so that I can keep paying my bills. I said, John, the reason I'm running is so that we have a voice in Alberta that we have a pipeline between Alberta and the Trudeau government that we can be heard. And we had about a 15, 20 minute conversation. He said, you know what? I'm not sure. I've never voted your way. He said, but you got me thinking mm. and I'm pretty sure my girlfriend's going to vote for you and I'm going to give it a good thought. Those are the kind of conversations you need to have. I'm not going to leave anybody stranded, Ryan. The The idea that some of the federal government is going to shut down entire sectors and put hundreds of thousands of people out of work is patently ridiculous. It's false. And I think the premier should check her facts before she goes and put out puts out a tweet that's trying to get a bunch of heat. Like 2.7 million workers is more than the entire workforce of Alberta, Ryan. And so there's a lot of work we have to do. I really want the governor of Alberta to come to the table for the the regional tables that Jonathan Wilkinson and I will be leading here with industry, with labor, with workers, with the government. It's a partnership to to walk through this evolution of energy together. And CCUS, like we literally put billions on the table so that we can lower emissions out of our oil and gas, out of our oil sands. And we need the province to come to the table and say, what are they going to do on CCUS? We're there, industry's ready. We just need the province to be clear about what they're going to do. So Ryan, I got... Relationships with ministers in Premier Smith's cabinet. She's written me a nice letter recently. We got to find common ground and get past this because it's all about more jobs and better jobs.
1: Uh, Let me just ask you quickly. I know minister schedules are packed. How much more time do I have? You. It'll impact how what questions I ask. Do I? Do I have three, four minutes with you? Of course you do. Okay. And let's
4: talk about investment too. Like this, this province needs investment, and Sovereignty Act doesn't help with that. We can go there if you want. But look, we've got Dow Chemical wanting to put twelve to sixteen billion here in the Alberta Heartland. For a plant that's not only going to build you know, and create more polypropylene, Ryan, it's going to extract two megatons out of the air because they're going to put a huge CCUS stack up. Do we want that money to go south? Do we want that money to go to the US? No, it's like several million person hours of work. It would be one of the biggest things we've built in this province since the oil sands. So I'm not letting this go. I'm not going to let the province stand in the way like we got to get this done together.
1: Yeah. Do you feel, though? I mean, I I would feel like, um, you know, there's nobody that's like particularly obtuse that's going to be listening to this show. It's a savvy audience. It's an engaged (laughs) audience. The point I'm about to make besides shots across the bow is that people are aware that a provincial election is happening here Uh in May. And uh, do we just? sooner or sooner? (laughs) Do we have to acknowledge that Basically, we might have to wait until after the provincial election either way depending on who wins either way to see any real cooperation between the provincial and federal governments you know that Alberta's premier is going to be fighting Justin Trudeau all the way through till election day because it's going to really really resonate well with some of their target audiences including down in Calgary and you know that the NDP are going to present themselves as a party that you know would stand up for Alberta's interests but would like to cooperate have a p- positive relationship with Ottawa and then it'll be up to Albertans to decide it'll be up to Albertans to decide whether or they want to see a fight or whether or not they want to see a more friendly approach do we just have to wait until june to see these two uh, governments sit down at the same table i mean honestly what do you think
4: there's too much at stake to wait but i do think the politics of the politics is as you've described them i think the uh the new democrats and the uh ucp are in a fight for the battle of the soul of alberta and I think Albertans are going to have to decide what that looks like. And you're right, the battleground is Calgary, probably even the seat south of the Bow River in Calgary. And, uh, but what's too important for me to get, you know, to finish the childcare deal on the private side of things, to finish the, uh, to get to the point where we're just literally focused on bringing billions of dollars to our province. And look, are we going to have to wait to sign some, some major deals and, and figure out what it looks like? Yeah, the election's really important, but I'm not waiting from now till May to get important deals signed uh attracting international investment to this country and this province there's too much at stake like my own tourism file like we're we're not going to miss a whole tourism season just because of you know politics being played on on twitter and in the media so there's lots that we have to do there's lots that we're going to do and and the federal government is here to be a partner with the government of alberta but also with alberta workers and with industry and with unions, because we're all in this together. And Ryan, you and I lived through this. Like I was, I, we lived through the transformation of the oil economy in the 70s and 80s when we ran out of, essentially we're running out of conventional oil and the Laheed government put in really smart policies. Peter Laheed leaned in and like put public policy in place to create the oil sands research facility to literally invest with Ontario, the liberal government of Canada in creating Syncrude. It was, that's what it was. And the whole explosion, if you will, the whole expansion of the oil uh, sector with Anne McClellan as Natural Resources Minister and Ralph Goodale as Finance Minister, we watched that happen. And that was a transformation of the economy. And now we've got this global economy that's saying green is good. We've got to save the planet. And the investment's going to follow those places that have low emissions. We can do that work right here with Alberta Ingenuity.
1: Uh, you are the federal Tourism minister and, and the big tourism story. Uh, one of them. Yes. Uh, sure. I'm about to talk about a really exciting tourism story in just a little bit, minister, <laughs> which is Jasper okay. in January. And I'm going to I'm going to show off all my pictures from my weekend Good. out in Jasper and, and all that. But but in Banff National Park, uh, you know, south on the Highway 93, um, the Parks Canada, the, the the federal government essentially. But Parks Canada, you'll clarify, I know, uh, is closing uh, personal vehicle traffic, personal vehicle access on uh, Moraine Lake Road. They, they say, obviously, that the demand for parking up there, the visitor demand is way higher than the venue can accommodate. And so there'll be shuttle buses, how people can access They're obviously walking up on the side of the road. Um, your, your general take on this, the provincial government's pissed off about it. Uh, the provincial government says that they should build more parking lots, that closing the road to people's personal access is not the solution, not the answer. What role have you had in this decision and what's your what's your take on it?
4: So, look, Parks Canada and I work really closely together. Uh, it, they report directly to my colleague, Minister Gilbo, Minister of Environment and Climate Change. That's where Park sits in the federal family. Uh, but look, when we when we survey uh, people around the world, why they come to Alberta, it's for the national parks. And and you and I know the song growing up: uh, "Pave Paradise, Put Up a Parking Lot." We're not going to do that, and we're not going to do that because look, what people come for is that that photo that you just saw. So, and we have. Five to 6,000 people a day that want to come up to a parking area that's three to 400. The shuttles are going to be able to accommodate that. It's going to actually lower the carbon footprint. It's going to allow more people to get up there and enjoy it. It's actually accessible for people who right now can't get up there because the parking lot's full. They get up there, they turn around and they got to go down. They can't even see what's there. So it's an accessibility thing. It's, uh, I mean, there's a, there's a, you know, a a climate change thing, but really is about sharing the park with more people and not knocking down a bunch of trees and wrecking the view and putting up uh, a parking lot. So Minister Lowen and I have, uh, you know, talked about this. Todd and I had a really good meeting about tourism before uh, the Christmas break. And, And Ryan, just for your listeners, like after oil and gas, tourism is Alberta's number two export. Think about that. Is that right? We export export $8 billion worth of tourism dollars that come to our province from the rest of the world and the rest of the country. We are in the big four. It's Alberta, BC, Ontario, Quebec. Those are the big four provinces for tourism. It's Canada's number one service export. One in 10 jobs in this country are in tourism. 56% of them are in rural Canada. It is women youth, LGBT, people of color, people living with disabilities. It is a remarkable sector. And under my watch, we're gonna take it from 2% of GDP to much higher. We're gonna have more coordination in the federal system. We're gonna lean in. We're gonna go get more sporting events, more cultural events, more festivals from around the world. Cause look, number one, number two, and number nine, most visited national parks in the country are right here in our province. I'm working with Travel Alberta. Working with the province, working with Indigenous Tourism of, of Alberta, there is nothing that we can that we don't have to offer the world. When you add culinary and our great cities and our wide open spaces, I can't wait to see your segment on Jasper in uh, uh, January because that's what we're that's what we're promoting to the world.
1: Well, hang on, uh, like right at literally right after we talk i'm going to show i'm going to show you a slow-mo video of a it. smoked old fashioned that'll blow your freaking <laughs> mind um uh number I nine so you got you got bamf and jasper like one and two waterton and, you know waterton Waterton's number nine i was wondering if yep. it was i was gonna wonder if it was elk <laughs> island but it's waterton okay well well there you go hey how much of a this this airline debacle uh like just it seems like the state of, of canada, and it's not just canada but the state of airlines in canada air travel in canada let me yeah. say seems to be a huge mess um does that chase people away from traveling? And, and if so, what could be the implications for, for tourism revenue? That's got to be something you're thinking about.
4: I really love the question. It is. Um, and Omar Al-Ghabra, my colleague for the transport minister, is is really important and working hard on this. And he's called the airlines to the carpet on this. Ryan, what happened during the pandemic is we lost a lot of pilots. We lost a lot of air traffic controllers. We lost a ton of baggage handlers that, quite frankly, went to work for logistics companies. You know, think Amazon, think Pure Later, think others, because they're working inside. They're not working outside anymore. So the whole industry has had to hire people back. Uh, that said, we probably have way too over-concentration of um, gateway cities in this country, and... um so I'm really interested in making sure that Edmonton gets more direct flights, that um, we see what Calgary's just done by, you know, putting the WestJet hub in Calgary is a good move, but why not more flights to Halifax, to Winnipeg, to other cities so that we take the pressure off of Toronto, Vancouver, Montreal, and um, you're, you've seen that Porter's decided to make a big move mm. here, like 24 planes, $1.4 billion. That's a that's going to be a hub that's going to be based in Edmonton. It's very exciting. So Lots to come on air traffic, and I would say improving the air travel experience in this next year under Minister's
1: Watch. Okay. Uh, The last thing I want is for your team to blacklist us and to not get any more interviews. (laughs) So I better not keep you like 20 minutes past the time. Uh, But I do like to make sure that the audience has a voice in these conversations. They're a huge part of what we do here at Real Talk. So we'll wrap with Kathy's question in the live chat. Kathy's wondering what the liberals, what the federal government's looking at with regards to financial aid or incentives for folks that are single or married with no kids. She says we're often left out.
4: Yeah, no, I I really appreciate that. And look, the the doubling of the GST tax credit is one of them. Um, We've reduced personal taxes on the middle class three times. If you're running a business, your uh, business taxes are also lower. And we've actually uh, reduced personal taxes every year for the last uh, five years so that you get more of your take-home pay um, every month, but also at the end of the year when you get your taxes. And it's pre-budget consultation right now. So Ryan, I'm going to encourage people to write to me or to go to Let's Talk Budget 2023.ca and send me your ideas. Like we're going to we're going to stay close to Canadians. We're going to stay close to Edmontonians and Albertans. And if you have ideas of what you think we might be able to put in the window to, you know, make life more affordable during this inflationary cycle. Let me know. I'm going to be at the realtors meeting later today in front of six, 700 people talking about housing. How do we make housing more affordable? How do we get more supply? How do we continue to partner with that sector? So Ryan, I'm my office is always open and uh, so is our government to get ideas and suggestions from Edmontonians and, and Albertans.
1: All right. Let's talk budget 2023.ca. Um, I mean, we've thrown everything at you today. You, 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 you want to talk about blowing up supply management? You want to talk about blowing up supply management? Hey, look no. at
4: this. Look at these guys. Not today, my friend. There you go. Let's Talk Budget
1: 2023.ca. That's the Associate Minister of Finance. He's the Federal Minister of Tourism. He's the MP for Edmonton Center, the Honorable Randy Boissonneau. Thanks for doing this.
4: Thanks, guys. Take yeah, care. Bye. You bet.
1: Hey, I don't care what your uh, political stripe is. I don't care what your political affiliation is. I always appreciate an elected official that's willing to take curveball questions Questions on about five or six different fronts. Coming in uh, hot. Questions that have not been provided to their team ahead mm-hmm. of time. To be clear, we don't provide questions to any guest mm. uh, ahead of time. But but I want to say, like regardless of if you vote conservative, liberal, NDP, green, or other, um, I appreciate elected officials that are willing to just hang out on the show and say, throw the questions at yeah. me. Yeah,
3: and so. Randy's great. Well-spoken, really quick. He never shies away from anything you ask No, him. Yeah. no
1: he really hasn't. Yeah. Uh, so we appreciate that. That's the Honorable Randy Boisno. All right. I made you this promise on Twitter. I made you this <laughs> promise on Instagram, typically on Wednesdays for my Jasper memories presented by our wonderful friends at tourism. Jasper will, will we'll tell you about, you know, a, a big opportunity that's out there. The, 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 you know, it's, it's like a big initiative or a big program or, or maybe an intimate experience, but everybody, but, but this week's going to be a little bit different. Cause, cause I just want to talk about my trip out there. I, I want to tell you about my Jasper memories. <laughs> And of course, this is all stuff you can still do because it's it's still Jasper in January, right? And that's what drew me and my brother out to Jasper National Park just this past weekend. And what a wonderful opportunity it was. So he hit the Highway 93, the Icefields Parkway coming up from Calgary. We hit the 16, the Yellowhead and headed west. Uh, it was me and Moses, our boxer. As you could see, there were some nice mm-hmm. mountain sheep. There were some rams <laughs> there on the side of the road of particular interest to Mo. Now, of course, we had to get up to Marmot Basin. Just beautiful conditions up there. Johnny was like minus four when we were up there. Looks beautiful. Just an amazing day. These smiles smeared across our face are a testament uh, to the experience that is Marmot Basin. Uh, lots of snow. They haven't seen a ton of snowfall yeah. recently out there, but the base is still pretty good. Um, you know, in terms that skiers and snowboarders will understand, I didn't bust out my rock board. Mm-hmm. I used my regular snowboard, no damage done, and uh, still another. <laughs> Snow for us to have a wonderful time. Check out this bowl. This is a uh, this is my brother's lunch at Marmot Basin in the Caribou Lodge. Okay. Now my brother lives a plant-based lifestyle, Woo! and you know it was like um, I know he won't mind me telling this story. He, they've got this menu, this fabulous menu mm-hmm. out there, right? Like I, I went, of course, with like the bacon cheeseburger and the poutine. I couldn't help myself. But but Jonas is reading about this Buddha bowl, and he thinks that, he says it looks absolutely fantastic. But it's the Caribou Buddha bowl. And so he asks our server in the lounge, can I get the caribou Buddha bowl, but could you hold the caribou? Boom. And she looks at him and she says, well, sir, there's not caribou <laughs> in the, she says, it's the caribou lounge. There's not the caribou are a protected species. This yeah. is a national park. Yeah. He said, so I was telling him for the whole rest of the weekend, I'm, I'm yelling, hold the caribou. <laughs> <laughs> he had a wonderful time out there. So we have a great day up at Marmot Basin. And then, of course, there's so much to do out there. We we hit the Athabee Hotel, the Athabasca Hotel. Love it. Yeah, we just just as you can see, had just the lousiest time. Uh, that's Travis Watt, <laughs> by the way, in the middle. We ran into Wadi out there. We didn't know he was going to be out there. He's the founder of PWS Imports. This is just, I'm just planting a seed. Mm. Coming up next month, we're going to be launching the Real Talk bourbon cask 2.0 Ooh. in partnership with wadi and pws imports and so like we nice, were oh. we were toasting our partnership there and of course having a lot of fun and, and then a jasper band a really uh wonderful yeah, this band
3: looks like a rocking show
1: sons and daughter oh. took to the stage and it was a i mean a room full of people that were just having an absolute blast dancing and just huge smile I was smiling so big my face hurt there were some real talkers we ran to out there you know who you are I say when a real talker comes up to me out in the wild and lets me know who they are there's a rule that they do not buy the next round and so there were several people taking advantage of that uh, unofficial promotion at the Athabee that night boy did we ever have fun uh, this of course is the brand new evil Dave's grill Uh, They moved locations I guess about a year ago now And boy can the team At Evil Dave's Mix an old fashioned Nice Like yeah The menu's great Yeah the menu's Spectacular as a matter of fact but, But I'm an old fashioned guy I'm an old fashioned Kind of a guy Johnny So am
3: I And I love My ultimate favorite can is I show you the this? smoky old-fashioned. So this, this looks video, incredible.
1: I shot this at Terra, which is a beautiful new lounge in town, a restaurant as well, of course. And the guy's about to pull the top off and, and, and let this smoke I gotta come see off it the old-fashioned. And <laughs> I said to him, hang on, hang on. I said, I got to grab my camera because real talkers are going to want to see this in slow-mo. Nothing Amazing. like a smoked old-fashioned. So the weekend continues on into Sunday. And, uh, you know, of course, uh, a late-night walk after the rock show (laughs) Moses and I we took a walk around almost all of Lac Beauvert. had the headlamp on had what we needed to do it safely the pathways get a little bit icy Mm -hmm. with the freeze thaw and so but I'll tell you, in the quiet of the night, my man, in that dark sky preserve that is Jasper, a dog walk at two in the morning—amazing. I mean, you know, bring your appropriate—you know, I mean, like I guess what I'm saying is, bring bear spray. I mean, I don't want anyone to have another. I thought you were going mean, to, keep, to another, uh, oh, yeah. gonna say something else. You, you thought I was going to say, bring your joints. Yep. Yeah, 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 bring your joints. Yeah, bring your herbs. Not going to lie either, <laughs> obviously. And then, as I tweeted and posted on Instagram, this is how you Sunday. Sunday can be a verb. And when you're looking to Sunday in one of the most beautiful places on planet Earth, I recommend you do it with Eggs Benedict in front of you at the Jasper Park Lodge. An absolutely unbelievable experience at Jasper in January, and you still have time to take it in. They've got uh, from January 20th, of course, we're talking like right now, my friends, a couple of days from now, this upcoming weekend, the Mountain Milanka. It's going to be Jasper's biggest Ukrainian New Year's party. They've got the Pyramid Winter Fete as well. Sip, snack, and skate on stunning Pyramid Lake. And then they have their street party and fireworks coming up the weekend after that. And Jasper's unbelievable pond hockey tournament four on four at Lake Mildred. That's the weekend of January 27th or 29th. You can find all the details at Jasper slash January. And when you're out there making your Jasper memories, we would love to see them. You can tag us use the hashtags myjasper and realtalkrj on on uh, twitter on instagram and you could see them featured on an upcoming episode of my jasper memories presented by tourism jasper right here on real talk
3: that was one of my favorite episodes right there well that's the personal stuff
1: like I always like to say, um, like I was telling you, there, there are so, so many cool things. Like I could tell you about the Moline Canyon Ice Walk, which mm-hmm. will blow your mind. And we can talk about in the summer things like, you know, r- r- you know whitewater rafting on the Athabasca River. or We can talk about the restaurant experiences. We can talk about all that. But I like to say every once in a while, you know, this is how real people talk. When you're going out here, you ask your friend that's been somewhere. You know, you've been to Jasper or you've been to Chicago or you've been to Frankfurt where did you go? Mm-hmm. Or where do you go when you visit there? Of course. And so I like to say I go to Evil Dave's Grill. I stay at the Fairmont Hotel. I party at the Athabee. Athabee is great. You know? Yep. Crushed a couple. Oh, I didn't show the one photo. You want to show the photo of the elk meatloaf at uh, at Jasper oh, yeah. Brewing Company?
3: That's uh, that's one. Yeah.
1: We, we are, uh, Our in-studio acoustic one, guitarist right? has already gone home for the day. but uh, But look at this. This is the uh, uh, that's a Jasper the Bear ale in the background there, and then th- this uh, <laughs> three this, quarters this rank. elk meatloaf. I I literally cannot leave Jasper without crushing an elk meatloaf at the Jasper Brewing Company. Not so if, caribou, if, if, not caribou, but elk. <laughs> Hold the caribou on the meatloaf. There you go. Uh, absolutely amazing, amazing time. So this Ivan Provorov thing, it's going to have people talking through the day, and, and I appreciate <sighs> the conversations. I'm, I'm expecting that we're probably going to get a couple of comments in to talk at RyanJesperson.com mm-hmm. for trash talk, uh, emails that you can send us coming up on Friday. Um, but, it, but it really did, to me, reiterate, and I know that a lot of people were taking a look at my tweet where I said that the Flyers should have sat him, that he shouldn't have played in the game and a lot of people were 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 sort of appalled i, I mean you even said it uh, joey says it as well he says the comments on your tweet are so gross there it's, it's there was uh, one guy in particular that that <sighs> said to me you know he put his money where his mouth was and he went online and spent 300 bucks to buy an ivan provorov jersey like and i just i, I sort
3: <laughs> and i di- i don't want to be angry today and i woke up angry looking at these tweets cuz it's like Uh, it's 2022. How is this still happening that people just don't let people love who they want to love? If you're not hurting kids, women or animals to me, like live your life, do whatever the heck you want to do. As long as you're not messing with anyone else's life. And like, like I said, this was the absolute bare minimum. The guy could have done. And uh, (laughs) Talking about his religion, Russian Orthodox Like I I told you this morning I looked up, I just wanted to see a bit about his personal life Not to attack Ivan, but You know, he lives with his girlfriend, Madison Lee Go look at her Instagram (laughs) It's pretty uh, I don't want to say provocative But I mean, she's doing things on there Russian Orthodox, I know there's some silly rule The patriarchs in in the Orthodox They don't like short skirts, red lipstick You're not supposed to wear that kind of stuff She's wearing that stuff on her Instagram. Well, they, they live the, together. I'm assuming. Oh, but he, they
1: probably don't have sex, Johnny. They'll, only, <laughs> they'll have sex after they get married. I'm um, assuming
3: he's not a virgin. He's living with this girl out of wedlock. So for him. I'm to, wondering,
1: did you check to see, has he played in the Flyers games that fall on a Sunday? I'm not sure. I you can't know what remember because I, mean? I know that obviously he's a very religious. He's a very steadfast uh, yeah. Bible believing Russian Orthodox. Of course, I would imagine he's resting on Sundays.
3: All he had to do was support a cause and be part of the team. And if he didn't sit out the game that's all i'm saying but i'm sure we're gonna hear about this all day and and
1: sure i mean sam says keep in mind that provrov's religion is the same religion that promotes the war in ukraine right um meantime uh mr bad timing says isn't the idea that we all have equal rights uh not that we all agree but we have the choice to disagree and not be punished for that i mean sometimes you get a comment that's just so inane that you don't really know where to start but the the idea that we all have equal rights well we don't We don't have equal rights. Uh, We don't have equal experiences, which is why people continue to fight for equality. And whether that's marriage equality, whether that's equal access to things like sport or industry or commerce or other opportunities, those fights continue. And then to say, not that we all agree, but we have the choice to disagree. Well, what are you disagreeing with? Because I thought in the previous sentence, you said that we all have equal rights. So what are you disagreeing with? If we all have equal rights, Mr. Bad Timing. The only smart thing about this guy is his handle. Bad timing on the comment, bad timing on the take. With silver wings says if Rob's gonna use his religion as a shield, reporters should start asking about why other things are okay. Like working on the Sabbath. So there mm-hmm. you have that from with silver wings. And Brian asks me, in good faith, I'm sure, does this mean, Ryan, that you're against freedom of religion? Yeah, for sure, buddy. That's what it means for sure. He chose to abstain. He didn't call his own press conference, nor did he speak poorly of anyone. But it seems none of the above matters. It's not my religion, but I believe people get the right to choose. To choose what exactly? (laughs) To choose what? Like if it was a night to support Ukraine. Mm Mm-hmm. If it was a night to support Ukraine and Ivan Provorov, as a Russian, opted out of the warm-up skate, what do you think people would do? Exactly. Wouldn't that be fascinating? What if it was a night after a Christian church was targeted by vandals, or even worse, shot up? Mm -hmm. We see stuff like that. Mosques, synagogues, churches targeted by people with hate in their heart. Mm -hmm. So what if a National Hockey League team was going to honor with a moment of silence the Christian faith or members of a church community? And a player, based on their personal beliefs, opted out of that. Would all of these same people be okay with that? Did all of these people that are supporting Ivan Provorov's right to not participate in the warm-up skate all support Colin Kaepernick kneeling (laughs) and not participating
3: and standing for the national anthem? And you can't have it both ways. And you're you're talking about recent events. We just had a gay nightclub get shot up. Like, these people, people think, well, they have all the same rights as we do. Since when? 2016, the states all finally agreed to have gay marriage. 2005, here in Canada. This is not long ago. That's why we have these nights. And just let me reiterate before we go, before anyone thinks I was shaming his girlfriend for wearing a short skirt and wearing lipstick. No, it sounded to exactly me like you were telling everybody the to
1: follow her on Instagram. Do whatever That's she wants. I got from it.
3: Yeah. I was just trying to, yeah. Yeah
1: jason says regardless of your views on the issue i find it interesting that everybody piles on someone who supports a different view get politics out of sport this isn't politics he says it's enough in places already diversity is important but shaming people who hold a different view is just as ugly if it was black lives matter if it was orange shirt day instead of what it was pride night would as many people go on the record in supporting Ivan Provorov would you still go on the record and support an athlete who refused to take to the ice in support of Black Lives Matter in other words an athlete who took a staunch white supremacist position on an issue opting out for religious or other reasons and if not If we are indeed truly equal, ask yourself why. I know that some of you are going to feel like you have great hot takes on this and that you're going to own me on this and invite your emails and we're happy to keep the conversation going because that's what we do on a show called Real Talk. And we do it with the support of sponsors like local environmental services. In Alberta and Saskatchewan, if you're running a business, uh, whether it's a small clothing store Oh, whether it's an independent restaurant, whether it's a strip mall, a shopping mall, a library, an industrial processing facility, an agricultural operation. Why not keep it local? Save money. Have real human beings answer the phone and get that family-owned Service that local environmental services has been providing in the Prairie Provinces for the last quarter century. You can request a quote today on everything from front load and roll-off bins through to water hauling, recycling, fencing, landfill services out of Edmonton and area, Whitecourt and area, Regina and area. Check them out today at localenvironmental.ca. A couple of things I want you to circle your calendar in the context of Friesen Brothers, Alberta grown, Alberta owned, And helping families through some of these affordability crunches, a couple of things. Number one, they've got their Family Essentials Easy Family Meal Solutions incentive. They take recipes that are built around foods that are relatively inexpensive. Family budgets are forefront as they devise and develop those recipes with their team of Red Seal chefs. You can find those details online. Great recipe ideas, healthy meal options at Friesen.com. And number two, don't forget the next chance to save 15% on your grocery purchases of $75 or more is coming up February 1st, the first of every month at 16 Friesen Brothers locations across the province. And of course, we're going to tell you about the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park. Unbelievable supporters of Real Talk. That's why we're so proud to send you to the Dairy Queens in Palisades, Nemeo, Newcastle, Westmount, and Baseline Road this entire month. You've got about two weeks left to load up your freezer with Dilly Bars and DQ Sandwiches. You buy a box of six, you get another box of six absolutely free. The buy one, get one free promotion through the month of January at the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park.
3: going to be the death of me. My wife literally commented on a post. Somebody was like, I'm looking for a, a second freezer for my home. Any deals? And my wife commented, I think we're gonna need one soon too. We are like <laughs>
1: she's got her eyes on you, buddy. We are dilly
3: barred up right now. Hey,
1: but like once you have the second freezer, then the sky's the limit.
3: And then it really opens up.
1: Yeah, then you can yeah, then you then you can start loading up on Buster bars and treats of pizzas. <laughs> and I found that the the blizzards you can't really the blizzards you got to enjoy in the moment.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, like you can if you're gonna if you're gonna have a blizzard, you eat about half of it and then you put it in the freezer. You it's obviously you don't, don't put it in the. It's not the same. And then you got it. And then you got to find that sweet spot where you. Gotta got to leave it out for like 10 minutes oh yeah and then you give it a quick stir with that long signature dairy queen spoon and then you can kind of get back the magic yeah. but 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 i recommend uh my personal recommendation is to crush the blizzards at the moment you buy them yeah like ideally probably just in the parking lot
3: and in january i would i would recommend adding a scoop of whey protein
1: <laughs> i'm gonna pretend like you didn't say that
3: okay let's get out of here
1: yeah let's get out of <laughs> oh i'm now i'm rattled i mean literally nothing is rattled. <laughs> talking Provrov, no problem My family members texting me while we talk about blowing up supply management. No problem. Uh, You know, food inflation out of control. No problem. Adding whey protein to blizzards. (laughs) Rattled. (laughs) Coming up on tomorrow's show. And I shouldn't head into this laughing. It's deadly serious. Obviously, it's Canada's other health epidemic it's the opioid crisis Uh, we're going to talk to an addictions specialist out of the mayo clinic in arizona tomorrow dr holly Geyer says that she's devised a solution we're going to dig into it and find out what it is plus following up on all the stories making news just like you'd expect thanks for supporting this real talk
0: Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson, Executive Producer Josh Dunford, Technical Producer John Hicks, General Manager Katie Cook Chivers, Account Coordinator Lawrence Durlego, Human Resources Lena Shepherd, Website Design Mike Johnston, VoiceOver by me, Carrie Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Sapria Duvetti, Ahmed Ali, Brandy Morin, Anne Castleman, Corey Hogan, Harmon Candola, Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson.